Welcome to Heal. On today's episode, we go to Tallinn, Estonia to be with Hilary Torn, who shares about her journey through multiple misdiagnoses to eventual discovery of having endometriosis, and how she found healing through self-empowerment, outside support, and the power of a plant-based diet. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. Thank you for being here this morning. Well, yeah. evening, this evening for you. Yes, yes. Yeah. And we'll see if the, I turn the light on, but I may slowly dim out <laughs> as the call goes on. Maybe not though. It's turning summer here. We have long days in the summer, so yeah. it could be okay. And where do you live now? Like what city? Tallinn, Estonia. Okay. Awesome. Do you love it? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's great here. It's cool. small. It's a small town. It's very, it's, it's one of the most, no, it probably is the most uh, digitally advanced country. So you can do everything except I think it's get married and get divorced. You can do everything else online. So you can buy real estate. You can update your driver's license. You can apply for V like everything you can do online. We have these digital signatures. People vote online. It takes, it takes them like one minute to do their taxes. They love showing it off <laughs> when I'm like doing my taxes for the U S like what, <laughs> Why do you have to sit down? It should take one minute. I'm like, well, this, not every, nothing's like Estonia when it comes to that. Wow. So it's just, it, and there's a startup scene. So I've been, I'm, I moved here to work with one startup. I'm transitioning to work with another startup right now. So I'm switching jobs and yeah, it's, it's just really cool, but it's also a small town and it's a little mix. It has a lot of Scandinavian influence. It's a two and a half hour uh, ferry ride from Helsinki, Finland. Yeah. So it has a lot of that influence and it's just, yeah. That's I like so it. awesome. Yeah. Good. Well, we want to hear all about the stories and, you know, I mean this, so the premise of heal is people sharing from their hearts, stories of healing, having healed, being in the middle of their journey, wherever. I mean, at one level, one of the big inquiries has been, are you ever done? <laughs> and there's sort yeah. of no real actual end, you know? <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Hillary, for being here and for sharing. And you really get to say what it is and how you want to answer these questions or share about your own journey. I just thought of you as you had gone through so many different iterations. And then my perception was when you moved to Europe, there was a big transition. And I'm super curious about your experience of being in the American medical system, your experience of being in European mm -hmm. and like some of the things that happened with that too. So that's one of the reasons I thought of you. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So do you want to dive in and tell us your story of healing? Yes. Yes. Do you want me to just start or do you have yeah. questions? No, nope. I want you to just start even? and then I'll ask questions as we go. I promise. Okay. So I would say right now I'm in a really, really good, healthy spot. I wouldn't say I'm a hundred percent healed. I'm, I, I kind of feel like, so I was, diagnosed with endometriosis was it 2016 17 but I, I started to get sick in like 2013 14 and so it was kind of a journey to figure out what the hay was going on with my body it was just it was really atypical it was constant pain like just constant stomach pain it didn't seem to have a rhyme or reason to it where a lot of times endometriosis like I have really bad period pain. And, and so people are able to identify it. Usually, to me, usually it seems like people have had it since their um, adolescence. And I never had a problem until I reached my 30s. 
And so I've, as you kind of mentioned, I was sick in the States. I actually moved to Europe and I got sick again in Europe. And now I'm in this like kind of, I would say healing period. I feel great. I, I don't have any symptoms. However, I'm kind of really aware that if I change my lifestyle, if I change, I, I think a lot of it had lifestyle to do with what I was eating, my stress levels, and it could just be my body. Like, like who really knows what causes this? Unfortunately, even though uh, a lot of women have it, they still don't know know a lot about it. I, you know, I'm kind of prepared that it may come back, but I also have things in place that when it does come back, I'll just feed it again because I do have these periods like months. And I think now it's been more. I think my last surgery was March of 2019. Last, yeah, yeah. So it's been more than a year, which is one of my longer periods of like just feeling super, super awesome. So, knock on wood, we'll keep yeah. it up. And if it comes back, I'm just prepared to like do what I need to do to to get back to this space again. Yeah. Wow. So bring us through like because in the beginning there was this whirlwind of trying to figure out what you even had, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I yeah, I had a, a big, I still have the papers with me, even though, as I said earlier, we're a, a digital country, so I don't need medical files anymore because surprisingly <laughs> here, you go to the doctor and they can read all your medical files from all the doctors you visited. It's such a logical system. It's great, so I don't need that anymore. But in the States, it wasn't like that. So I, I had basically all the tests I d- did. I had all the you know scans, all the doctor visits, everything. I had like the binder. I mean, it was it was quite thick trying I mean, to figure out what yeah. the heck was going on. I had my appendix removed, I think in hindsight. So I didn't have gallstones or anything like that, but my appendix wasn't functioning the way it was supposed to. I'm guessing that I probably had some endometriosis with endometrium like growing on it. And so that's why it wasn't functioning. So when I removed that, I felt okay for a couple of months, but then it all came back again. And it was interesting because I actually was, when all these problems kind of started, I actually did have a doctor say it was endometriosis or they thought it was endometriosis, but it wasn't a great doctor. She was like, I think you have endometriosis. Here's a pamphlet. Read the symptoms. Let me know what you think. And uh, I was like, okay. And I was like, well, I don't know. I have it constantly. I have really bad nausea. Like this doesn't seem to fit. And she's like, well, if you have nausea, it's probably not endometriosis. And so I went on this long journey of trying to figure out what the hay it was. I, you know, I had tons of tests. I was misdiagnosed with this rare illness. And so I was, you know, I was actually giving myself IV injections to help with the swelling. I was in and out of the ER. And, you know, and that's, it's interesting because also during through the, through this whole time, I was on a lot of painkillers. And so a lot of the time, like, I mean, that's my experience with Oxy, you know, luckily I never got super addicted to it, but man, does that stuff mess with your personality and your memory and like just irritability and my emotions. Like I couldn't even tell I was being mean. Like your brain is just, it messes with your brain so bad in such a weird way. And it's slowly, because at first it makes you feel better. And you're like, oh my God, I don't feel pain. I feel great. But then as the months go on, your brain slowly starts to just get really just, I I can't even describe it. you don't even just realize that it's altering your whole personality and really messing with who you are. You just don't even realize it until it's too late. And so, I mean, I, I was on oxy 
multiple times where I just, because of pain, I couldn't function otherwise, right? The pain was so bad. So, and then I had, I had my uh, gallbladder removed. They thought it was gallbladder issues at one point. It wasn't that. I tried the diet IBS. That was a big one. Oh, you have IBS. So I did the low FODMAP diet, which always helped when I was having like these endometriosis, these long-term flare-ups. Mm. It always helped. But when I feel great, I can eat whatever. I can eat tomatoes. I can eat uh, broccoli was a big one. Onions and garlic, those really, really were painful for me to digest. And now I, I don't have a problem with them. I still don't like to go heavy on the garlic and onions, but I generally don't have a problem with them. So yeah, IBS was it. I mean, it, trying to think, remembering all the misdiagnoses I've had. <laughs> I remember the conversation about fibromyalgia at one point even surfaced. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I think, truthfully, I think that was the oxy that caused it. I think I was on so many painkillers that my whole body was just like all my nerves were just flaring up because wow. when I'm not like taking anything, I I feel fine. But at that point I was just, I was taking so much of the oxy that I was just, my nerves were just on fire and then your whole body just hurts. Yeah. I mean, just, I, I remember it was just hitting myself. It would hurt so badly. It was intense. So at what point in all of this pain and misdiagnosis, do you decide that you want to move across the world to another country? Like how did that come about? Yeah. So it was interesting how it all kind of ended up. So I really took it into my own hands. And I think a lot of it was working with you. I mean, I think you taught me a lot of stuff about like, I remember you were um, talking about being in touch with the spiritual side and just being aware of my diet and what I was eating. And it got really, really bad. I got, I was in so much pain. I just became suicidal. So I ended up going to a mental hospital in Arizona and luckily there, they put me on tons of Cymbalta. And Cymbalta is an antidepressant, but it also kind of numbs your nerves. Mm-hmm. And it numbed me. It numbed my nerves where I didn't feel pain, but it wasn't, it wasn't a painkiller. And so it really, really helped. And I got this period where I felt, I mean, I was still hurting, but I felt better enough where I could function. I ended up meeting a, a really great guy. And he kind of knew of my illness, but he was also one of those people who was just like a caretaker. And he mm-hmm. kind of took me in under his wing. And we actually ended up getting married partly was so we could live together so I can be under his health insurance. And during that time, I started to regularly bleed out of my belly button. And it just at first, it was just a little bit. And I went, I remember going to the urgent care and they're like, Oh, you just have some infection there. Or you scratched yourself. I'm like, okay. And it ended up (laughs) each month, it ended up getting worse and worse. And I realized it coincided with my period. I was actually having my period out of my freaking belly button. And it's because I had surgery. um, Yeah, I had surgery before to remove my appendix through my belly button. And so I think it just the, the endometriosis started growing out that way. And it's a very rare symptom of endometriosis, but I googled it. And then I realized because it was coinciding with my period, I just realized that endometriosis was all these problems I was having. And so I found a really good surgeon and she was located in Phoenix and I ended up getting surgery and I felt great. She was able to remove all of it. It was fabulous. This was in 2016. I think it was, yeah, it was probably that summer, June, July, August of 2016. And so as soon as I started to feel better, I realized I had to get out of the United States because the chances of it coming back could have possibly happened. And I just like, 
the system had wiped me out. I couldn't work. There was no, there was no safety net there. I, I mean, I almost ended up homeless. I slept one night in my car. I couldn't work. If you can't work, you can't get health insurance. The state health insurance doesn't cover anything. I mean, the fact that I had to like, you know, I mean, not had to, you know, it was a choice to marry this guy and he was, it was great, but it was definitely that my health was a huge factor in why we jumped into it. You guys created that, but that's why you created it, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I was just, I was, I was, you know, really, really desperate to just have something to take care of me. And, and, you know, luckily I had him, but not everyone has that. And so I knew as soon as I felt better I needed to get over to Europe but also at that time Trump was elected and I realized like that like stress I was already quite I moved back to the states trying to spend time with my family who you know actually ended up not being super supportive I mean again I was on oxy so I probably wasn't the greatest person to support at that time but I was kind of had them always as my backup plan it's like well if I get really sick my family will help me and they just I don't think they understood the illness. They kind of thought it was more in my head than an actual thing, which is again, very common with endometriosis. And so I just realized that I needed to get back to a place where if I was working, I'd have that kind of support system. And so I, this guy was willing to help me. You know, I, I'm actually really grateful to, for him because I, I, I was thinking about him today because I have a child now and like, he wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this guy who was willing to just give himself to me so I could be over here. So he helped me come over here. I found a job and I moved over here and I I was actually first in Prague, Czech Republic and I moved over here and I found work and I'm glad I did because I ended up getting sick again. Wow. Needing surgery again. And, and it was way different in Europe. Sorry. No. Getting so emotional. <laughs> Welcome to the Heal podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this this has become a common occurrence where we both start tearing yeah. up as we get into it. I mean, this is what it looks like. These are the real yeah. conversations. Yeah. So I mean, I you know, I was really glad I did because about nine months after my surgery, I started to feel the pain again and get sick again. And so I had to, you know, kind of go back to healing myself again. You know, and the doctors only know so much. They, they, they're great, but I do really believe they are practicing medicine. They don't know my body as well as I know my body. And so I was in Czech Republic. I speak Czech, luckily, because I lived there before and I learned the language. And I was in the Czech Republic and I was, yeah, I just started to see doctors and kind of, you know, get the help I needed. But unfortunately, I, the surgeon I found did not get all the endometriosis. So the surgery I had in Czech Republic didn't help. I actually didn't feel good afterwards. And so I was using a lot of marijuana. I used medical marijuana in Arizona, but in Czech Republic, it's not legal, but it practically is. I think you can have like a plant and you can do personal use. So yeah, I it's like decriminalized of kind of, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then I, they put me back on Oxy because they were kind of like, well, you had the surgery. And, you know, I was able to work and live an okay life. It was simple life. I didn't do a lot of traveling. I, mean, I had some ferrets to kind of keep me company at home. And luckily, you know, the Oxy, again, as I said, it makes you feel great for a couple of months before you start to kind of crash. Yeah. And I ended up finding work in Estonia, told my the guy who was hiring me that I had this, but I didn't feel great. And he was 
he, you know, he still wanted me, which was amazing. And I ended up moving to Estonia, which is great because they, because I think the Scandinavian influence, I was able to find a better surgeon. And so I, I, you know, and she said, if they leave a tiny little bit on there, if they don't get it all, you can still have the pain. And so it got really bad. I took some time off of work and then I had surgery again. And after the surgery, I felt great. And so I started to to come off the drugs and I I did it really, really quickly just because one, I kind of knew what they were doing to me and that I didn't need them anymore. And I kind of felt like I'd rather have like two weeks of intense withdrawals and like months of this long, like, you know, not as intense, but they, they just mess with your brain. And so I ended up coming off them and, and yeah, I felt good ever since she highly recommended I got pregnant as like to help with the endometriosis. I've read studies that that probably doesn't really help with endometriosis, but I, I was ready. I had, yeah, yeah, I was ready. I, I met the right person and, and, you know, we were kind of expecting not to get pregnant right away because people with endometriosis generally have infertility issues and we got pregnant right away, (laughs) right away. It was like that first month was fine. And so I felt, you know, besides being pregnant, my pregnancy was quite easy and I I felt great. And so, so far so good. It's, it's been good, but it, you know, it, you really, I really do feel that I fought for my health. You know, I didn't give up. I changed, you know, my, my diet. I started by stop eating um, red meat that supposedly isn't supposed to be good. I stopped with the alcohol. It's definitely not good. I was actually thinking the other day, I was like, I should have a glass of wine again. And I'm like, no, that stuff just messes with me. It's not, it's not worth it. So, you know, I stopped first with the red meat and then I don't know, I did do whole food plant-based for a while. I felt better. It didn't get rid of the endometriosis. I needed surgery at that point. It was so bad. But I, you know, it, it just made me realize that I didn't need all these animal products mm-hmm. to, to help me function and, or just to feel like good, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then my husband now, he, when I met him, he was vegan, which I loved. I thought it was great. I was like, okay, but I wasn't, I've always had like eggs and cheese, cheese. Oh, I still love cheese. Cheese I miss. I don't miss chicken though. And, and pork I sometimes miss, but I kind of, you know, think more of the animals. I just, you know, I think there's a lot of documentaries now talking about how these animal products really aren't that great for us. Yeah. And I, I think the hormones and cheese too, I, I just actually, I think it was like three months into my pregnancy. I still have this feeling like, oh, I need to eat like eggs for the baby and stuff. And then I realized I was like, I really, I don't, I really don't. If I eat like a balanced diet, which I'm still working on my husband kind of he, he worries about me not eating enough vegetables and, and, you know, beans and stuff like that, which is great. It's good to have that kind of, that kind of push, but I eat way better than I ever have before. <laughs> so. Yeah, totally. Well, but I love I talking about that side. Cause like, you know, I was born and raised a vegetarian. I was vegan until I was eight. Cause I couldn't tolerate dairy. And then I started eating dairy and then didn't eat meat till I was 25. Then I went paleo (laughs) and was full paleo for about five years. And then I'd say I've been paleo leaning, but I really am an omnivore. And it had been 15 years since I changed my diet to paleo. And last year I had this like 
realization that I had an opinion about being vegan, but not an actual experience in my body about it. And so I did a 30 day vegan, mostly raw juice cleanse. And it just, it was a giant reset button. And like, I do still eat meat and I order beef from a grass fed farm up in Idaho. And I know the farmer and I know how they operate and I just get one animal. And then I order fish from a fishing collective up in Alaska that has a sustainable wild fishery. And that's like 95% of the animal products I consume. But what happened when I did the vegan cleanse last year is I a realized I was full of it that I thought I ate a lot of vegetables. (laughs) No, I have not been eating a lot. So I like that greatly increased my awareness of eating way more vegetables. I continued juicing. I continued having that in my life. And I just noticed that like, I can listen to my body and there'll be times when I lean more towards animal protein. And there's other times where I lean more towards plants. And like, I've been actually incorporating more grains in my diet in the last year than I ever have before. Like I, I would like never, ever, ever make grains. And then I would binge on pizza (laughs) and I would like not cook rice or quinoa, but I would like make grilled cheese sandwiches all the time. And I'm like, okay, who are you fooling? Right. So it's like, I've come back into it and I, I, I know endometriosis, I know, don't know, I've, ha- I've heard that endometriosis is one that is heavily leaning towards vegan, vegetarian, makes a huge difference. And I think probably the yeah. hormonal component is a, is a big part of it. And, you know, I just love your exploration of finding what works for you and resonates in your body. And I will say I was way more vegetarian when I lived in the Netherlands. And I can't speak very educatedly about the exact differences between the food system in Europe and the food system in the United States, but it's different. And it feels different. Yeah. And when I was over there, it was like, we'd, we'd eat meat twice or three times a week. And I felt great. And I had everything I needed. And like, it was just different. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I know, I, I mean, like, I, I don't think I was ever, you know, it, it's funny because if you talked to me six years ago and said I would be vegan, I would have laughed at you like you were joking. I was like, no way. I mean, I used to be a hunter. I hunted my own meat. And so like the idea, I, I always kind of, would make fun of vegans and vegetarians like there's no way and now I kind of can't see myself really eating meat anymore I've even it's interesting because like I've done it I did it for health reasons and then environmental reasons as well just because eating meat is not sustainable I actually think of this you know COVID-19 a lot of the they're talking now about how how we treat livestock even though this was like an exotic food market that it came from like the next one could easily come from a pig farm yep. in Kentucky. So, you know, there's, there's that reason too, but now I'm also kind of really loving animals too. So I kind of have this, this, I, I finally picked up like the kind of the moral quote unquote aspect of it, but it was kind of the last reasoning for yeah. it. And it's also, I think that, you know, I've just always had an opinion. Like I, I, I would apologize to people when I first, it's like, I'm a vegan, but, but not one of those vegan, <laughs> like I'm not a mean <laughs> vegan or I'm not going to judge you. I won't yeah. like make fun of your like meat and stuff. So I kind of always apologize for being vegan where, yeah. So, but, but now it's just the way it's been a while. I think I've been, been uh vegan. And I mean, truthfully, I still, you know, eat honey, which technically is not, vegan. So I, I would say I'm more of a plant eater is probably a better yeah. term. 
for it, but we're really lucky here in Estonia. There's just tons of vegan restaurants. There's amazing, we have a, a vegan festival twice a year when you're allowed to go out and be with people. There's this great <laughs> festival that just sells tons of great food. And so I don't feel like I'm missing out anymore. Yeah. I mean, I even make homemade quote unquote mozzarella made out of cashews and tapioca starch that tastes great. I make amazing uh-huh. vegan lasagna with tofu. It's not like super hard to make. And so I it's grew up on that stuff. Totally. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. I actually don't even like meat in certain recipes because my childhood experience was always vegan lasagna and, you know, things like that. Nice. And so it's, yeah, it's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, that was what was just so great about, like, for me, the breakthrough last year was I don't want to be in anything. I don't, I, I eat good food from good sources and, and to not have it be labeled inside of any one diet. And that was a big shift, especially after going to naturopathic school. I mean, it was ingrained in us what was good, what was bad, what was right, what was wrong. And we did have the different camps. There was like the paleo, it was like clicks in high school, but in naturopathic med school, it was diet clicks. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was like the vegans were over here. And then we were the like Weston A. Price, sauerkraut, probiotic toting, grass-fed beef. Like that was our paleo world. And you had the omnivores fighting in the middle and it was, it was, it was hilarious, you know. Well, and it's interesting too what you say. I think a lot of times too, diet helps just like a reset. Like I did vegan keto for a while, which oh. I, I don't know if I could do that sustainably for like long term. And maybe it's not the greatest because it's very high fat intake, but it helped. I mean, this was um, when I was still having endometriosis flare ups. It really helped lower my inflammation. It helped mm-hmm. me just get rid of sugar cravings. Like I barely eat eat sugar now. I mean, maybe I'll make some recipes with honey and maple syrup, but those are like my cheat days. And for the most part, our desserts are frozen berries. I mean, we just stick to the fruit. And it was that diet where I realized like after I stopped that diet and started eating fruit again, I realized how sweet fruit is. It's amazingly sweet. It's like, I didn't need, and anything with like refined sugar was just way too sweet. It didn't even taste good. It was just overwhelming. So, and I just realized like a keto diet, that's something I would probably want to do again, just to have a reset. Like what you were talking about with the vegan cleanse, it's nice to get that kind of reset every once in a while. Absolutely. And to not get so stuck in our, our thinking about food where it's like, you can only be one way, you know, it's like we get addicted to that and recognizing this conversation is totally inspiring me that I'm due for another one of those. (laughs) Like again, hit the reset button and like, and have, you know, there's, there's therapeutic diets that are food is medicine. Literally the diet is the, is the medicine to help reset things to super saturate. I mean, your nerves are made out of fat, your brain's made out of fat. So I could totally get how, you know, yes, it calm inflammation. It also helped just restore and rebuild to, to do yeah. a vegan keto, you know, but that doesn't mean that you have to live that way for the rest of your life. There's bringing it in. And yeah. I was just talking to a client about this the other day, which is like, once upon a time when we were really dependent on the seasons for how we ate, there would be periods of time where you had the large mammals and you ate a ton of fat and a ton of protein. And then you wouldn't have that and you'd eat a lot of root vegetables and you'd eat a lot of starchy things that were high carbohydrates. And like when the harvest would come in towards the end of summer, early fall, we got fat on carbohydrates. That's, that was a survival skill. Like now we get so mad when we get fat off of carbohydrates. It's like our body spent 65,000 years making sure we could get fat off of carbohydrates to freaking make it through the winter. And it's a natural 
a survival mechanism that we have. And so, you know, but we want to look exactly the same all the time and not have that. And we also don't go through a period of famine where we fast all winter either. <laughs> so. Yeah, but I've heard it, but it's interesting too, you bring up fasting because that's, I've heard a lot of people and it's something I've always wanted to try. I do this intermittent fasting where they don't eat for like 12 hours or a certain set of hours. I'm breastfeeding, so I'm not doing any resetting anything right now but yeah. that that's always kind of interests me too because they say they they feel great it really helps them it's it's yeah it's yeah. very interesting the human body totally yeah and i i just want to underscore it's like there's no there's there's no the answer it's it's like what i love what you said earlier was that the doctors were practicing medicine they were practicing nobody knew your body the way you did and the more yeah. you tuned in and the more you got in touch with that, like that, I mean, for me, that's the ultimate, I think. So as you've been through this journey, like what were some of the surprises? What are the things you never expected to have to face? I wasn't expecting to get help where I got help and where I was expecting help and I didn't get help. Mm. Like that was really surprising for me. Right. And there's nothing, I don't, no, I'm really close to my family now and it, you, people get weird around illness. I just, I realized this. And so I actually, my mom ended up getting uh, quite ill and she's going through another period right now. And, you know, she lost a couple of friends too. And even other people in my family, people just get weird. They just, they, they I think it, it brings up their own mortality. They don't know how to act. They don't know how to behave. And so I've kind of just realized that's, you know, that some people just, act different than what you expect. And so it's been, I, I think one of the reasons why I was really successful, because I could have easily gone down the path of just, you know, giving up completely, being completely suicidal, homeless, just completely addicted on drugs, any of that easily. But I, I'm just very persistent, I think. And, and I'm, I'm really always trying to figure stuff out. I'm like, no, I can. And it was hard. I mean, it was years of trying to figure out what the hell is going on with my body, but I wasn't willing to accept that I was going to be sick forever. I just was not. And a lot of times it looked like I was, and it's like, okay, I have IBS. You can't get rid of IBS. Well, what can I do? Oh, there's a diet I can try. Okay. I'll try this diet. Let's do that. That helped a little bit, but you know, it wasn't IBS. So it didn't help, you know, completely. And sometimes it was just time. And like, I just needed the time to start bleeding out of my belly button so I could figure out what the hell it was. <laughs> so over time, things change. But I think, you know, what really helped me be successful is I asked for help everywhere and I took help where I could get it. And it wasn't all the places I expected. It was a lot of places that I didn't expect to get help. Yeah. And it's like, you assume someone you're with for two years will kind of be with you through it. And it ends up being with someone you've been with for three months that is going to help you through it. And so it's not where you always expect and, and just being willing to continue to ask and to continue to reach out, I think really helped me find myself here. Yeah. That's definitely been my experience of you is you will never give up, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I love and adore about you. Yeah. It's awesome. And how is it being a mom? It's great. It's, you know, I'm really creating having it all because I'm, I'm really loving my career as well. We get 140 days of, it's like sick maternity leave where only the, it's like basically the mom gets it and, and like you just stay at home and be with your kids. So I'm 
in that period right now, which is great. I'm still doing some work here and there just to keep me kind of entertained. But you do get this like amazing attachment to these little people. Mine was an instant. A lot of women talk about like once he was in my arms, oh my God, my world just exploded. Mine didn't explode. I mean, I loved him immediately, but it was like, you know, slowly over time, you just start loving him more and more. And he's great. He's also really, I think, I'm not that I've had tons of kids. He's my first one, but he's a chill kid. He just seems like he, his cries really communicate what he wants. And, you know, he, I'm able to kind of call him. He's um, 11 weeks and he only wakes up like once in the middle of the night and then once early morning. So I'm getting a lot of sleep, which is great. So I really, really, really like my sleep. So it's been a really great experience, but it's a lot of hard work. I can't believe people have more than one of these things. (laughs) So much work. (laughs) But it's, it's great. Yeah. And then my husband's going to take the, we get a year and a half of parental leave that either parent can take. And so my husband's going to take that and stay home so I can work on my career just pretty awesome. Yeah. Amazing. I haven't been through having kids in the United States. I haven't been through having kids period, but did you just say a year and a half? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like on top of the 140 days. And by the way, it's a hundred percent pay based on the last, the 12 months of money you made before you got pregnant. So it stops as soon as you get pregnant. And then we paid five euros for the pregnancy test to confirm it. And then we paid, I think, 15 euros for me to have a private room in the hospital after I gave birth. Wow. That was it. We didn't pay anything. And they actually gave us money. They really want more Estonians. So we got um, like, I think 390 euros once he was born as like a They bonus. want more Estonians? They like want you to have <laughs> yes. So they gave us money. We get, for 60, yeah, we get 60 euros a month for having him. We got a, a gift basket with a bunch of clothes from the city. Like you get a lot for it. It's like, wait, I, I, I don't know how people have kids in the States. Like I, this experience, I mean, a hundred percent pay for basically practically two years. That's, I mean, you don't have to worry about anything else. I mean, obviously we're, you know, a bit worried about the economy, but we're both, we both work in digital fields. So we're, we're pretty okay. And yeah, we're just kind of, we're kind of set. They really take care mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. So it's, and I it's very, that, I mean, I remember when here. we were talking years ago, like your heart was just there. Like that was so, you know, you, you had been living there and then you came back to the United States and I remember us having many long conversations where you're like, I just don't, this isn't my home. Like I got to go home and who's over there. So it's so great to see you thriving and, you know, working through it all to get to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It was, it was an interesting, I mean, I was talking to an American friend here and he was just like, it's just, he's like, I'm in awe of you, Hillary, because I keep expecting that I should go back to the States and live there. And like, you know, you're just like here. And I was like, I was like that too, though. Like when I moved over here, you just kind of always, it's kind of like the, you're a bad American if you don't like it there, or if there's, mm-hmm. you find a place that's better than, because the U.S. is the best country in the world. And so I kind of felt, you know, guilty. And so I ended up going back and then I realized, no, I definitely don't want <laughs> to be back yeah. here. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I feel very fortunate. I mean, even during this, like during this time too, I, I like, so 
people get automatically unemployment 50% pay for six months if they lose their job. If they lose their job due to COVID-19, they get 70% for the next two months. So there, there's a lot, and we have healthcare paid for, so no one has to worry about like, you know, I, I, I took um, my son to the doctor. I had to sign a form saying if I had any symptoms, I told them I had a sore throat the last couple of days, probably allergies. He asked me if I wanted to take a COVID-19 test. I said, sure. They called me five minutes after leaving the doctor's office. I got tested within an hour. I got my results the next day. It was like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. So I feel very fortunate, you know, after kind of, I'm, I'm quite worried about my family in the States, just knowing that it's a little bit chaotic there and it's, yeah, not, you know, it's hard to get tested. People need to get tested and that sort of thing. So it's very, I think we're very, I'm very fortunate to have, not have to worry about the healthcare aspect. Of yeah, stuff absolutely. And what an impact that that has in stress reduction, especially when we're going through a major illness. You know, I've had friends in my life and, you know, clients of mine that are going through major illnesses and a huge amount of their stress is just figuring out how to pay for it and dealing with bills and yep. miscommunications and long phone calls and all of the administration side of it, you know, and then I have friends who are doctors and nurses and they're inside of it. They're just as frustrated they're also yeah. trying to, you know, so it's like, it's not like <laughs> there's no us versus them. It's just, yeah. 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 You know, and hopefully yeah. that's something that does crack open at some point in my lifetime would be amazing to see that shift here. And I honestly don't know that it will, but one podcast at a time standing for what's yeah. possible in healthcare and healing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I just so appreciate you taking the time to share. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a story that actually is going to resonate with a lot of people because there's so many people out there that are struggling with people thinking it's all in their head or not knowing what the diagnosis is. And that whole process of figuring this stuff out sometimes can be pretty remarkable. And I love how you've continued to create your dream life throughout the whole thing. And, you know, you're yeah. doing it. Yeah. And that was definitely, I think one of the hardest parts was not knowing what it is. And then people questioning you to the point you start questioning yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. But you just like, I think another reason why I was quite successful is I realized no one was going to solve this for me. I was going to solve this for myself. And so I kept, you know, working with you. I, I worked with other people as well. I worked with, you know, doctors and surgeons and just kept kind of going to different people and eventually you reach a dead end with someone where you realize there's nothing else you can learn from them and then you just find the next doctor you find the next surgeon you you find the next healer to work with and and you until you you know get to understand yourself and realize find out what your body needs and it's a yeah. mix of it's everything. your path it really is your yeah. path and yeah I always with my clients am like if there's something else that's calling you, trust that, you know, like I, for some people, I'm just a catalyst. They come in, they get information, they go out, they move on to what's next. And then for some people, they're with me for years and years and years. And there's no like way that that should be. It's, it's that resonance and getting those pieces of information you need. And then when you're complete, you're complete and it's time to move on. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So any parting words for people who are on this journey with what they're dealing with? Like what, if you could give yourself advice from six years ago, what would you say? 
I would say besides like the, you know, don't give up, just realize it's going to keep evolving and changing. So where it seems like it's always going to be like this, it's not. Just you get through this period one day at a time and you'll get either another symptom or you'll meet the right person or you'll find the right doctor and you'll get through the next step. But just realize life isn't stagnant. It's not going to always stay. So if you're in a really hard spot right now, just realize in a couple of months, you'll be in another spot and just keep kind of looking for what it is, whether it's going to the mental hospital. That's, you know, that sounds like not the greatest experience to go to the mental hospital because you're so suicidal. They pumped me up with so much Cymbalta, I couldn't feel my nerves anymore. It was awesome. It was great experience <laughs> at the end of it. So in the beginning, it was horrible. And even during it, it didn't feel that great because, you, you know, you feel crazy and and like you kind of don't belong in society. And, you know, it was exactly what I needed at the time. Yeah. And so even ending relationships, starting relationships, whether it's with a lover or friends or family, all of that, you just need to really kind of listen to your body and what you need and kind of be on the lookout for what's the next thing that's going to move me to where I need to be to get out of this. Yeah. Perfectly said. I love it. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and sharing your heart and your journey. It was really, really great to be with you. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. I hope I can give anybody else who's going through this some sort of hope that it it will get better. Awesome. Good. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks to today's guest, Hillary Torn, for her candor and sunny perspective. For a full transcript and all the resources for today's show, visit sarahmarshallnd.com backslash podcast. You can learn more about finding your own healing journey by going to sarahmarshallnd.com or following me on Instagram at sarahmarshallnd. Thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickpour, and our editor, Kendra Vicken. We'll see you next time.